You're listening to Retail Disrupted, a podcast that explores the latest industry developments and the trends that will shape how we shop in the future. I'm your host, Natalie Berg. Artificial intelligence continues to dominate the headlines. So much so that Collins Dictionary has actually named AI the word of the year for 2023. And just last week, we saw world leaders and tech industry execs convene at Bletchley Park here in England for the world's first ever AI safety summit. Maya Knights is joining me on the podcast to break down some of the learnings of the summit and then to catch up on AI's impact on retail. Maya's been on the show before, and as many of you know, we co-authored a book on Amazon together. We've been colleagues or collaborators in various forms over the past decade. Maya is currently a consultant and publisher of Retail Technology Magazine, and she is my go-to person for all things retail tech. Now, my conversation with Maya was recorded on Friday, the 3rd of November, And we're releasing this episode on Tuesday, the 7th of November. So just wanted to clarify around timings. If you hear us referring to things like this week, we actually mean last week. So without further ado, Maya, welcome back to Retail Disrupted. Thanks, Natalie. Likewise, it's always great to shoot breeze and talk all things retail tech with you. Oh, it's great to have you back. I know you were you were actually my first guest on the podcast. So uh, it's I know, I know. know. And it's uh, it's nice that you've uh, I've managed to convince you to come back. So um, look, today we are going to be talking about the AI safety summit that took place this week. And I'd love to get your initial reaction to this. What have we learned over the past few days? Oh, well, I think, first of all, it's important to say it's a, it was an AI safety summit. They were looking at safety. They were looking at regulation, compliance. What are the dangers from an ethical and regulatory standpoint in regards to the development of AI as we go forward? So in that respect, there wasn't a lot from a, a retail industry perspective. I think if we talk about commercial development of AI, there were broad based um, pronouncements and discussions around how AI should develop and what should be the regulatory framework to, 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 to both guide and protect that development. Um, but in, in as regards anything that, you know, your average retail head of digital tech, IT customers, omni-channel, whatever you want to call it, would be able to take away and put directly in, you know, into practice. It's, it's, we're having the discussions that I think we need to have about where, where, where AI is going, but we're not necessarily drawing any conclusions at the moment. I think finally the, the big takeaway um, has been, you know, our wonderful prime minister standing up and going, oh yeah, AI won't, you know, AI will one day um, possibly take all of our jobs and Elon Musk saying um, that, you know, w- We'll have to work on um, what we what we value and on quality of life if we don't actually have to work anymore. I mean, it's I find those kind of pronouncements. It's easy to understand why the media jump on it. Having been a former journalist, that's the kind of stuff that grabs <laughs> headlines, right? But it doesn't help us, right? Yeah. I think 
what, what, what those that are really interested and invested in AI development were looking for, for were, uh, was the near to midterm practical solutions that are being put forward in regards to that broader um, um, objective that I mentioned at the beginning, which is the ethics um, and, and, and regulatory compliance that needs to go, um, that needs to accompany the development. Yeah, I mean, that interview alone was was really bizarre, wasn't it? It's not every day you've got a prime minister interviewing a tech billionaire and seeming to really enjoy it as well. (laughs) Zoe Kleinman, the tech editor at the BBC, she tweeted, this has to be one of the most bizarre work events I've ever covered. The prime minister having a matey chat with Elon Musk and no press questions allowed. It's a weird oh format, right? It's a really weird format. But the reason I'm shaking my head and putting my head in my hands is because that interview quite <laughs> clearly showed it was like a microcosm of everything that's slightly wrong with where we need to be with AI in terms of ethics and governance right now. In I what way? It's necessarily the blind leading the blind because you'd really hope Elon Musk knows his stuff when it comes to AI being a tech billionaire, a tech giant. But Rishi Sunak, the questions he asked and some of the pronouncements he made shows that our politicians just don't have a clue. I think one of his um, pronouncements was, oh, yes, well, we'll make sure all AI is fully tested before it's released. It just shows he hasn't, regardless of AI, he doesn't really understand how software works, how software is developed, how it's an it's incremental, agile um, development methodology. That means you don't, you, you don't just take a moment in time and go, right, it's ready and push it into the world. You, you, you will. Yes, you have betas and and um, test phases, but as soon as it's released, you're then also continually iterating and and um, on that development and improving. So to say, oh, we're going to hold it back and then push it, push it into the world when it's ready. It's, you, you could arguably say software is never particular, never completely ready. You can have a minimum viable product, but you've always got. The journey never ends. You've all the goal is constantly moving ahead of you, and that's because of the the the, the innovations that we see around technology and the developments. That can mean what you built yesterday is no longer fit for purpose tomorrow. So yeah, it was it was yeah. a good in that respect. Yeah, that's a really good point, and you think you are right to highlight one of the criticisms of the summit being that it was too focused on those hypothetical kind of apocalyptic doomsday scenarios where uh is it elon musk talking about um humanoid robots kind of chasing us up trees and into buildings i mean it's that sort of yeah killer robot scenario that i think a lot of people still associate with with uh, AI but it the, the criticism just to go back to that the criticism was that it wasn't focused enough on the current threats posed by posed by AI so things like the displacement of jobs which as we'll come on to when we talk about retail that is a is a real and current threat um, Kamala Harris talked about mis or disinformation which is again happening today and also crucially the need to mitigate bias. So these are real issues. They're here right now. And I don't think we heard a lot about this at the summit, but I suppose we do have to acknowledge that there are some pretty serious threats. Uh, And ahead of the summit, Rishi Sunak, uh, just to quote him, he said that AI could make it easier to build chemical or biological weapons Terrorist groups could use AI to spread fear and destruction on an even greater scale. 
Criminals could exploit AI for cyber attacks, disinformation, fraud, or even child sexual abuse. And in the most unlikely but extreme cases, there is even the risk that humanity could lose control of AI completely. So that's Mm. this whole kind of existential threat Mm. to humanity that we've heard, not just Rishi Sunak, but Elon Musk and various others call out in the past. Um, In fact, Elon Musk has said in the past that AI could potentially be more dangerous than nuclear weapons. So uh, I think, yes, we do need to probably acknowledge some of these threats and how you, you know, mitigate these risks and and regulate AI. And, um, but I'm just curious to get your thoughts. I mean, what do you think about these? Because, because I guess the flip side is that AI brings a lot of opportunities, like King Charles, uh, who also addressed the summit, he commented around the development of advanced AI uh, being, in his words, no less important than the discovery of electricity. So again, there's a, it's, it's, it is going to improve people's lives. It's going to massively impact all sectors from healthcare to education to retail, of course, which is our bread and butter, legal banking. I mean, the list goes on, but it is going to really change things, isn't it? And when we think about the future of work and this this displacement of jobs, um, you know, there, there are some real so there's a lot to consider. Absolutely. When we think about all the scaremongering and doomsdaying that's been going on around AI, I think it's important to take a step back and say that any technology tool can be used for nefarious purposes. I was lucky enough to interview Tim Berners-Lee about 15 years ago. And the question on everybody's um, lips then was, you know, how do you feel about this wonderful thing called the internet that's democratized data and the um, access to information globally being used for, uh, to steal stuff, to blackmail people, to, to all these horrific um, videos that we were seeing around the Iraq war, for example, you know, to, to, to disseminate misinformation, disinformation and just mm. horrific images, child pornography, all these things that you've already mentioned, we live with already, right? So I yeah. think a- AI is only going to make it easier for those things to happen. And that's why this AI Safety Summit is, is so important. But in trying to be pragmatic and realistic about the way human beings use technology going forward and addressing these specific comments about AI coming for our jobs, the important thing to remember, and I think it was a big takeaway of yesterday's um, opening day from the summit, was that today's AI systems don't actually pose the risk of control yet right? These systems still need humans to prompt them. And they're limited in the actions that they can take in the real world by the algorithms that we write that they run by, and by the the large learning and language models that we train them on, okay? Um, The summit's there to set up regulatory compliance that will give us guide rails for those, for, for that development to take place within. But right now, if we take it right down to retail, for example, where we're seeing AI being used in retail is to help that management layer manage by exception. When you've got a Walmart that's got, you know, thousands of stores, hundreds of thousands of employees, um, having to orchestrate the distribution of goods, having to orchestrate the planning of what they buy and when they buy and what the promotions are, all of those things are really, really hard to do when they're doing. They're managing them through systems of record that they pull data from, 
And then they have, the, as the human beings, to pass the data and work out what's meaningful, what's not, what should be the priorities and what aren't, what isn't. And AI right now, that's where it's being used to surface the things that, re, that, that anybody managing a business um, needs to look at, needs to prioritise. These are your top three things that you need to worry about right now. This tanker stuck in this, this port is going to cause you to lose X number of sales at Christmas if it doesn't move in the next three days. It's that kind of thing that we're seeing AI being used for, not necessarily um, wholesale replacing people's jobs. I think right now it will help us as human beings do our jobs better, be more productive, be more efficient, be more effective. Um, and, 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 and the outcomes of summits like this are going to decide how easy it is for us to build AI systems that don't just assist us, but also direct us and potentially, you know, the, the great fear is, is sentience. But frankly, right now, we don't have the compute power. And we don't have, um, we're not writing the kind of algorithms that are going to create a sentient AI tool of any any shape or form. I mean, the inventor of the inventor, the, the, the people that worked on the principles behind AI suggested that we're moving to a point of singularity where AI becomes sentient and potentially more intelligent than a human being. But that isn't till about 2046. So we've got quite a bit of um, headroom to move to grow into until that happens. And hopefully the regulations and compliance um, uh, landscape will be able to keep up with it in, in the meantime. That is super interesting, Maya. And I just want to stick with retail now because that is, as as our listeners know, that is our, our focus. It's the focus of the podcast. It's our area of expertise. and. We've already highlighted how AI is enabling retailers to become more efficient uh, on the back end, which indirectly impacts the customer experience if you're able to free up staff time and focus on those um, valuable, more customer-facing tasks. But just to bring it back to the customer experience more generally um, and to highlight something that we've talked about before on the podcast, uh, specifically around generative AI, because there's, you know, it's moving so quickly, right? And one of these stats that I love, um, just to recap for for um, those who may, maybe have never heard this before, but it took Netflix ten years to get to 100 million users. It took TikTok nine months to get to 100 million users, and for ChatGPT, just two months. That's incredible stuff, right? I mean, there's so much interest in it, and it's moving so quickly. And something else that I've covered on the podcast is it, in a previous episode is uh, was Bill Gates's prediction that uh, a, these AI powered shopping assistants will eventually kill off Amazon and Google search. Again, it's a great headline. It's it's a good headline. But hear me out because I can see you're looking a little bit <laughs> skeptical. Okay. Um, and it's good to have a debate. It's good to have a debate. But his view is that, you know, we won't Google, uh, say say you're going to Paris for a work event and you need, I don't know, you go, right now you would just Google black blazer or, you know, navy trousers, whatever you needed. And you get lots of results. None of them are particularly relevant to your style or taste or size or whatnot. But in the future, apparently, his vision is that we will have these AI shopping assistants that will present us with very personalized, very 
relevant recommendations. And not only that, but they'll also consider, you know, the temperature of, you know, the city that you're visiting, the local fashion, they, maybe you'll get travel updates, it'll be a whole package. And it'll be very, very relevant and tailored to you. And I think that is potentially hugely game changing. But just curious to get your thoughts um, around this yeah. and, and generative AI more generally. Yeah, I mean, so um, I've been asked a lot about this, and I think there has to be a distinction between the AI that we've used in retail for quite a while now, from a predictive analytics, forecasting, modeling perspective, mostly in the supply chain, some to do with pricing, some to do with promotions. A, um, retailers are actually quite advanced in their use of AI. When we talk about generative AI, it's using um, algorithms to or training more specifically algorithms on large big data and large data sets large um, language and learning models to then generate outcomes from that data so right now i would suggest in that respect we're using ai to generate insights that are data based but you need some kind of specialist experience to be able to look at that data and draw conclusions right what we're now building on top of that data are algorithms that help us make sense of the data in a much more contextual way so images um text uh media any kind of music anything like that you can generate off the back of these ai algorithms and um so what we're and I've and I've been asked a lot about what areas we're seeing it in, and I've started to kind of coalesce it around four, and that is supply chain, which we've already mentioned, um, customer service, marketing, and merchandising. Um, let's talk about supply chain and how generative AI differs from the AI that they've been using already. So you might be using um, a predictive forecasting model to work out. Um, what you should be ordering and when you should be ordering it from a supply chain perspective. Um, but then you put a generative AI assistant on top who would create a PowerPoint report for you or would, or would summarize the findings of those, of those database, data-driven insights into a report. Um, so I've been looking at some, some tools that can even create WhatsApp messages or data snippets for you. Um, I know for a fact that um, the likes of Deliveroo have built a Roo GPT tool where they've basically opened up all of their data, put a chat GPT model on top and gone to their, their management, ask what you want of the data. So it can so rather than having to specifically code in an algorithm the insight that you want to get out you can put the the, the, the um, generative ai tool on top that's going to go out and look for data according to the kind of insight you want to um you, you want to get and then generate the output to give you that insight in a way that is digestible to you so that's you know that's the difference between gen ai and, and gen ai and how i see it being used in the supply chain um yeah that's comes, really interesting I mean, it, it, this, but this hopefully underlines and explains, gives a bit more color and context to what I'm saying about it being used to manage by exception right now. You know, go out and tell mm -hmm. what you need to worry about. You know, I've seen a, an amazing tool. I'm not going to plug them here because I'm not giving me any money for it. But it's an amazing <laughs> tool that, 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 that purports to be your best retail data analyst. And, they will, and they've written 
retail-specific algorithms for white space analysis, competitive analysis. Now, what they've done is they've built that data scraping layer, which we're all familiar with in terms of pricing and promotions. How do I sit from the point of view of where my products, how well my products perform on the digital shelf? For example, whether it's my own website, uh, a supplier, sorry, retailer websites that I supply to, marketplaces like Amazon, but um, the, the 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 difference being now that we're actually able to generate some meaningful insights in a in a in a way in a medium that's that that's that's more um, useful for us. Um, Really clever one I've seen in regards merchandising, for example, is uh, using the computer vision technology. So there are various branches of AI that I don't mm-hmm. think people talk enough about: natural language processing, computer vision, um, and you know, the large language models use natural language processing algorithms. Computer vision um, algorithms run things like Just Walk Out technology for Amazon, for example. But when you start to combine those, if you're getting these data feeds already, so you've got CCTV installed, why not use that feed to write an algorithm that says, can you compare the state of this store right now to the planograph? And then I want you to tell that regional manager or that store manager, this is what's wrong. That that display is in the wrong place. That dress is out of place. Think about how that could be applied to out of stock, for example, if, if the cameras could see the shelves. And you could then, rather than produce, spit out massive reports saying, this is everything I know about that store, the generative AI assistant and algorithms that you write to, to run that system sitting on top say, these are the things that you need to look at from this store. Really great example of Yum Foods, Yum Brands. They own KFC and lots of quick mm-hmm. service restaurant um, um, banners. They're using AI to um, uh, generative AI on top of their computer computer vision systems in their kitchens, combined with their order management existing order management systems to flag to kitchen staff when they might have got an order wrong. You've missed the ketchup. Where's the ketchup sachet? For example, so there is a really great example of how it directly impacts and improves our customer service, but actually already uses uses the data feeds and digitized touch points that generate that data already out in the world as well as in head office to help retailers, travel, leisure, hospitality, whoever it might be, manage their business better. And in managing their business better, we get a better um, customer service. The last area I'll kind of lump into is customer service and marketing, because they're possibly the ones that we see we we like touch more. Um, and, mm-hmm. and in customer service, I think the easiest example to point to is in customer contact centers. You and I are so familiar with having to ring one, you know, your level one triage. Where's my order? They go, hold on. They ask you for your order number. They write it down, copy it put it into the order management system, find out where it is and give you your, why would you do that? And then, they go, oh, I can't find it. I'm going to have to put you on hold and talk to another department. Why can't the generative AI assistant already take the information that you're probably putting in on the um, interactive voice recognition system? What's your, what's your customer number? What's your order number? Feed that through to the customer service agent. The customer service agent then uses the gen AI assistant to pull all the necessary information they need to have a single 
view of you as a customer in front of them, not just historical purchase history, but where's my order? I don't have to put you on hold and ring another department or pass you on to another department who, God forbid, is going to ask you to give you all of that information again. It's all there in the, at the fingertips of the customer service agent to give you the best resolution first time as possible and as quickly as possible. Finally, in merchandising, I'm seeing some really, really clever um, assistants that are able to infer what you are looking for and serve more relevant search results to you based on mm. not just your per- not just your person. If they don't know anything about you, they can infer from your browser, your IP address, your location, what kind of device is it, a mobile, is it, an, is it a PC, is it a Mac? You know, I think you're like these, you're hovering over work trousers. Here are some more work trousers based on everything I know about anybody else in your area with your characteristics that have also bought work, work trousers from me and surfacing that really, really capably. capably. Um, and finally, to, to Bill Gates' point, yeah, absolutely. I can see a day when those shopping assistants exist and they are able to, to gather so much more data to bring to bear on the recommendations that they're offering you. So they're saying, yeah, you want that black blazer, but have you thought about the fact that it will rain? Would you like one that's, you know, got, you know, got a, a good collar? Are you looking for something that's a little bit more waterproof than beyond your normal blazer? But the only, the reason I kind of looked a bit disingenuous about what he said was that, oh, we won't, we won't search Google anymore. We won't search Amazon anymore. Well, the one thing that retailers and technology vendors that serve retailers never seem to grasp is that you have to have critical mass to make anything work. And consumers... Yeah, such a good point. Will, they will run... They, they will choose their, their choice of... Um, or influence... The things that influence their choice of retail or brand or tool or whatever it might be have to do with you know their their prior knowledge of it whether or not they trust it whether or not it actually works um and all of these things are going to be right before we'll get critical mass and i personally think yes we'll have these ai assistants but i personally think we'll probably be google will be will, will provide one for us Amazon will provide one for us so it won't be that some brand new um um you know tech giant is suddenly going to emerge from all of this um, opportunity and eat Amazon's lunch and eat Google's lunch. We're going to go where we already trust these these, these tools, right? So if you're building out a tool that becomes in, indispensable to me and you're saying, hey, would you like to add that to your Gmail account? Or would you like to add that to your Facebook um, profile? Yeah, sure. So I can actually see where, where we're going with that. And you can see the direction of travel in that respect as well with Amazon releasing so many generative AI um, capabilities in the last few weeks just alone that the guys that already have the critical mass and have the consumer brand trust are best placed to be able to build things like that. And the, things, um, the, the building of, of Gen AI shopping assistance isn't so far off. I think we're maybe five five years away from that but in order to get the critical mass i think we're going to see the guys the, the the incumbents unfortunately for those marketing managers out there that are already you know paying far too much for their mm. um acquisition costs with their with the walled gardens um in terms of digital advertising you're going to have to think about that as a prospect going forward as well well there is so <laughs> much yeah, so much food for thought, Maya. I'm not going to let you go just yet because I, I just want to come back to you with a couple comments and thoughts that 
you've sparked. Um, just around the use cases, I, I thought it was interesting that um, Waitrose, for example, is using AI for new product development. So mm-hmm. I think that's another interesting use case. Obviously, a lot of online retailers are now using it, uh, as you just pointed out, to um, write product descriptions or to clamp down on fake reviews. I know Amazon's definitely using AI in that respect. Um, and also to kind of... Uh, sift through, I think it was CarMax, the used car retailer, uh, US used car retailer. Um, There's a really interesting example from them. I can't remember the specifics of the timings, but basically they wanted to um, uh, create condensed product summaries. And so what they did was they looked through years and years and years worth of um, product reviews and then they, using AI, they were able to create these very short, punchy summaries, which are really important in a category like that, where you know trust is always a little bit of a barrier. And bringing that in a, to a digital setting is, is, of course, a challenge as well. So I thought that was another interesting use case. But I guess just to come back to the AI shopping assistants, uh, just to share a little uh, personal anecdote, I um, have just been um, painting a cupboard in my bedroom as it's as exciting as it sounds, <laughs> but I needed some new um, brass knobs for the cupboard. So my go-to shop for all things like that is Dowsing and Reynolds. I'm not sure if you've ever come across this brand. It's it's an awesome brand. I met the founder, Ellie Dowsing Reynolds, um, a few years ago at an event, and I'm hoping she'll actually come on the podcast at some point. Maybe she can she can talk a little bit more about what they're doing. But um. But anyway, it's it's a really, really awesome brand, really great quality stuff. And I went onto their website and I was just, you know, using my my phone and I was really surprised to see there was a little um, I think it's a chat GPT generated shopping assistant. And they they don't just sell knobs, but they also sell things like light switches and sockets and things that, you know, I'm probably their kind of target customer, but I also don't know very much about that category. And there's things like what's an intermediate light switch versus a two-way. And so there's a little bit of hand-holding and education yeah. needed. And so I noticed this little shopping assistant box pop up and I just was playing around with it earlier. And it was powered by a company called ShopMate. I'm not sure if you've come yeah. across them at yeah. all. but but I thought, yeah, I just I just thought from a customer experience point of view, it just kind of elevated things. It made it yeah. easier for me. It was a lot more immersive, much more interactive. And I was just kind of testing it and asking it for like the cheapest product or um, show me only things that are, I don't know, in, in brass or, or whatnot. Yeah. And I was just playing around with it. And it was very simple, but so effective and very, very visual and easy to use. And I just thought, wow, I can see how you can start to see how online shopping is really going to evolve kind of over the oh, next decade so. or so. I hope so. I've been trying to say to retailers, listen, it, regardless of what channel, whether it's physical or digital, the, the things that pe- consumers, we, we as customers want don't change, right? It's help me find what I'm looking for. Help me get there as quickly as possible. Or it might be, it might not be quick. It might be as pleasurable as possible. Make me feel special as I find what I'm finding. Exactly. But yeah. Help me find it. Don't make it hard. That's the first stage. Then the second stage yeah. is give me the confidence that I'm buying the right thing and that I don't have to return it and that it's at the right price point. 
And if you can't beat me on price, give me promotion. If you can't give me promotion, at least reward and recognize me if I'm an existing customer or incentivize me to become a returning customer. And then finally, post-purchase, just make it easy for me to, 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 to use my product, to share the joy that I'm getting from my product or to, to remedy any, any issues with it. So in your example there, you know, it's, I think it just shows the power of generative AI to help particularly with complex um, shopping missions like building a kitchen or something like that where you've, you need multiple widgets and nobody ever goes to Ikea once for a project like that or B&Q once. Building these kinds of assistants, which I think, you know, uh, retailers should definitely be doing, not just waiting for the Googles, Facebooks and, and, and Amazons of this world to do, can definitely help in terms of conversion rates. I mean, I'm seeing um, Walmart um, is using uh, generative AI to allow customers to choose a model type that represents that that is closest to their body shape and skin tone and color and hair and, and, and length of hair example so then they it will dynamically superimpose the clothing onto a model that looks like you so you feel confident oh that wow that's buy, super interesting that's how it looks then the, i think the next phase is for that for you to be able to upload your own picture and then superimpose the clothes on you. So that has that has the potential cool. to really move the dial in terms of returns. But if you look a little bit further upstream, before that, you know, you're looking at, at it on a model that represents you. To your point about product descriptions, PD product display pages, product listing pages, part of the problem is that the supply chain systems, the enterprise resource planning systems, don't output <clears throat> the information about the products that, they, that, that, the, that the retailer is selling in a way that makes it easy to upload it and onboard it onto your e-com website. So actually time to market can be really, really slow and is full of lots of lots, lots of manual intervention and labor intensive duplication of data from your SAP system into your e-com system. So there are AI tools that are being built to manage the tagging, the metadata, but also once the product description is being produced, measuring how effective that product description is likely to be and recommending where to change it, where to improve it. So in that respect, you know, it, it will revolutionize the entire gamut, right from the back end of how those products are presented to you through to the front end in terms of how you interact with those products so that you convert and through to a sale. Um, the, 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 the looklet example, which is superimposing clothes onto models can help with, I mean, the example I know of is of the very group, um, simply just could not get the products on their websites quickly enough because physical samples were being delayed because of COVID in terms of getting them to people. So they took pictures of models behind, um, in front of a green screen and then dynamically superimposed photographic images of the samples onto the models so that they could sell them. And then if you think about it, taking that idea and pushing it forward in the way that Walmart has done so that it actually offers the consumer the opportunity to see how a product might, you know, how a piece of clothing might look on them is amazing. I mean, I know they yeah. did do that as well. They worked with uh, Nike to create a body buddy um, 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 feature. And they found that conversion rates improved four times fourfold. But just by doing that. Wow. So you know, uh, that reminds me of um, the example from Google where using generative AI, if a retailer or a brand just uploads, I think it's only a handful of photos. You only need a few photos of, of the product. And then it automatically turns it into a 3D image. And we all know that 
you know, you're going to get higher conversion rates. You're going to get more interest with a 3D image compared to a mm -hmm. static one. So that's mm -hmm. been really successful as well. And again, you can just start to see how e-commerce is becoming much more immersive. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's 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 where it, it's going. The direction, thank God, sort of maybe ending on a more positive note, the direction of travel because of generative AI is giving us the shopping experience that we kind of already expect we're there in our heads already why do why are you giving me static imagery why yeah. have i not got three six three sixty degree spin why can't i see that on me why can't i see that in my room we're only just starting to scratch the surface of that and i think generative ai is really capturing imaginations and i'm really looking forward to seeing how retailers run with it thank you for listening to retail disrupted if you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the podcast please leave a rating or review or share it with others. It really makes a difference.